0: Well, um, this morning is one of our um, twice a year membership Sundays where we welcome into our community those who are covenanting with us uh, to commit to the church, our church, and for our church to commit to them in a covenant relationship to see the dreams of Jesus Christ fulfilled in us and through us. Uh, One of the requirements of of membership is, um, one, to have publicly professed your faith in Christ, but the other one is to have gone through our Harvest 101 seminars Harvest 101 is, is a time, again, we do this twice a year, where we talk about our dreams as a church, the dreams that we feel like in prayer God has given to us, the things that we want to accomplish, the picture that we see when we close our eyes and think about our church and our world as a result of the ministry of our church, um, this is what we want to see accomplished. And so today is a time for um, where five of our people who have gone through this and heard the dreams, um, and found that their hearts align with these dreams are committing themselves to live in such a way to make this vision become reality in our midst. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I want to talk about that in the context of the dream that Jesus had for his world. Because we realize as we go through and as we do life together, uh, one thing that you'll quickly realize is that the dream that Jesus Christ had for his church and its mission in the world is the same thing that we're trying to do. That in his lifetime, Jesus sought to take people who would be surrendered to the cause of Christ, develop them into leaders who would then transform the world to the glory of God. And everything that Jesus did in his ministry, the end result, the future picture, the vision of his ministry is the same thing that we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to build up and equip these leaders, Christ-centered, to be surrendered, sold out to the glory of God, and would go forth and bring about transformation. It started with one person. It right? started with Jesus' this vision to change the world. It started with just one person. And from there, Jesus said in, uh, in John's gospel that he is a kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. Okay, From one, right? the vision, the dream starts with one. It expanded to 12. It went to about 70, built a church, went through the Roman Empire, and it's touching and changing the world. But I want to talk today briefly, um, and then I'm going to step off and let some of our, our, our members share their testimonies. I want to talk about that first step, right, from 1 to 12, right? What happened from one Jesus when the, the dream was just a seed, how it went from that place and took that next step into called the calling of the first disciples. So if you look with me at Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I'm just going to share two points today that... Um, For some of you, it may be new, but for many of us, I don't think it will be new. It will be a reminder, but a reminder of what we're called to together. So this is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught Jack, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both left everything and followed him. It's God's word. Jesus' mission to change the world, that's a pretty big mission. That's a pretty big, that's an audacious goal. Like, what do you want to, you ask kids sometimes, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to change the world. I mean, that youthful optimism and that youthful exuberance, okay, you give them that. But as time goes on, they begin to get jaded and that begins to wear off. But Jesus, he's he's a grown man, obviously, and he's God, I know. But Jesus' mission, his vision, I want to change the world. If he's got a vision as big as the world, he can choose any number of people, and he can choose any kind of people. Who will he choose in order to accomplish his mission? Who will Jesus' dream team be? The people that he will use to transform all of society, the entire earth, and to usher in his own kingdom. Who is he going to use? Who is he going to choose? very quickly we realize that the people that Jesus chooses aren't the people that the world would choose. Why? Two things. And again, this is simple and I hope that it reminds us of something um, and it calls us to something as well. The first thing is this. Jesus doesn't look for ability. He looks for availability. It's interesting because these guys are fishermen. If Jesus... Task was to build a fishing empire, right? this great fishing co-op or this conglomerate. I'm going to build a fishing empire that's going to change the world and change the face of the Sea of Galilee. We're going to depopulate of all the fish. Then it would make sense that he chose fishermen. But his mission is to build a spiritual empire that would touch every corner of the earth, starting in Jerusalem, going to Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Jesus chooses fishermen to do this. Obviously, obviously, it's not about ability that he's looking for here. Now, you think, well, Jesus said to these fishers of fish, you will become fishers of men. This is the new mission, the new vision, the new direction that he's giving to his his people. In light of that, what is the connection between being a fisher of fish and being a fisher of men? Nothing. Why? Because it's an analogy. He could have gone to any person in any occupation. He could have gone, okay, there's a fireman. Hey, you fight fires? Good. You're going to put out eternal fires now by telling people about me. It could have been any occupation. Hey, you cook food for a living? Good. You're going to cook Satan now. Check this out. <laughs> right? Hey, uh, you sell homes? You're going to tell people about how they can have an eternal home in heaven. Right? Easy. He could have done this with anybody, with any occupation. What's the purpose? Why is Jesus calling these fishermen to accomplish a spiritual mission? Because Jesus wasn't concerned about the ability of the people that he called. He's concerned with their availability. They left everything and followed Jesus. That's what he's looking for. In fact, some of the people that Jesus uses to accomplish this mission, the, one of the greatest miracles that you read about in the Gospels, where Jesus took 5,000 hungry people, it's more than that because they just count the men, 5,000 people, and he fed each of them and gave them this like bread buffet and this fish buffet until they were stuffed and there were leftovers also. Who did he use to do that? He didn't use Oprah. He didn't use uh, Bono or Justin Bieber. <laughs> he, used a, he used a kid without a name. Now, he had a name, but we don't know his name. That wasn't important. He used an, a kid who just made himself available. said, here's my fish fillets, Jesus. I don't know what they can do, but they're available. And he took them and he multiplied it to the feeding of the world. When we're calling people, Jesus calls people to engage in this adventure and to be part of the mission. He's not looking for abilities. I wonder how many of us think I can't be used by God because I can't sweep a floor like Eugene can, right? Or I can't lead praise like Pastor Albert can, or I'm not outgoing like some of these other people that God uses to greet people and make them feel welcome. I can't do those things. But Jesus chose fishermen here because he wasn't concerned about their ability. He was concerned about their availability, and Jesus doesn't look at the things that the world looks at. Let me let me tell you, if Jesus, this was happening today, okay, if this was happening today, Jesus may have, I don't know if he did this, but um, there are people who find out things on the internet all the time, and they find out that Jesus has chosen these 12 people for this venture. And so Jesus would send them to a headhunter or send them to a consulting firm, and they would vet these, these people, and this is, this is maybe what they would say. okay? From Jordan management consultants to Jesus, son of Nazareth, son of Joseph in Nazareth, Thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for managerial positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests, and we have not only run the results through our computer, but also interviewed each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. It is our opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They don't have the team concept. We would recommend that you continue your search... For persons of experience in managerial ability and proven capability. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given the fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no leadership qualities. The two brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee, they place personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas, Thomas demonstrates a doubting, questioning attitude that would undermine morale. We feel that it's our duty to tell you that Matthew had been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus definitely have radical leanings, and they both registered a high score on the manic-depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He's a man of ability resourcefulness, meets people well, has a keen business mind, and has contacts in high places. He's highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your accountant and right-hand man. We wish you every success in your new venture Sincerely, Jordan Management Consultants. As you can see, Jesus, with this impossible vision, this impossible dream, looked beyond the usual suspects and found people not based on their ability, but look for paid people based on their availability. That's all he's asking of us. And for our members who are coming in, that they understand that it's not about our abilities that Jesus accepts as, no, it's not. It's availability that he longs for, that he looks for, that he searches for. It's availability that makes people part of the team that Jesus uses to change the world. That's the first thing. The second thought is this. Here's the second thing, and maybe this is new, but this is important. Availability is about priorities and attitude, not about time. Availability, it's not about time. It's about your attitude, and it's about your priorities. If you think about this, these guys, at Peter, James, and John, these fishermen, they weren't just sitting around one day, man, we've got nothing to do. And Jesus is like, gosh, let me find people who've got nothing to do, people who are bored to death. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose them. In fact, in verse 5, Simon said, you know what, Master? We've worked hard All night. And haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Hey, these guys were not people who had all the time in the world. In fact, they were working day and night, just like some of us, right? Some of us who are so busy with life. But when Jesus calls them, he brings this miraculous catch of fish, and they're like completely dumbfounded. Jesus says, "Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men." Verse eleven. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. This is not a matter of them having all the time in the world. This is a matter of them prioritizing, having this attitude that we're going to follow Jesus, whatever he says, they leave everything behind and they come and they follow Jesus in this vision to change the world. You know, a lot of times when we think about it, I don't know, we've got maybe... um, a mission trip to go to, or we've got a prayer meeting, or we've got a, a church cleaning day, or we've got this, this unexpected meeting in the middle of the week, and we're like, hey, who can, who can help us out? Don't our minds always gravitate towards, oh, hey, you know what? Um, Jack, he just got laid off from his job. He's doing nothing. He just sits there and, and plays video games all day. Let's call Jack did, to come. Or, hey, you know what? Uh, Roberto, he, he um, dropped out of school. Yeah, he got kicked out of school because he didn't get good enough grades. He's available. Let's, let's call him to help out. Usually when we think about availability, that's what we think about. We think of people who have time. They're not doing anything they've got all the time in the world. Let's call them up. But what Jesus is showing us here, that availability has nothing to do with time. It has everything to do with the attitude and the priorities of our heart. It's about these disciples saying, I don't have time. You're right, but I'm going to move the pieces in my life around, so that I can be available to Jesus. Our default mentality, (coughs) excuse me, our default mentality is we've got all of these things in our life going on, and if something arises where Jesus would call us to something that would push us out of that schedule, we say, you know what, I can't make it. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Isn't that what we default to? And what Jesus is trying to tell us, that if that's our default, like I don't have time, this is not a priority. The attitude of my heart is to put myself first instead of the mission of God. Then he's saying, maybe you can be on my dream team, but you're sitting on the end of the bench, not really getting in the game. See... Being available has nothing to do with how much freedom we've got in our schedule. It's about moving the pieces and the furniture of our hearts around so that we can make ourselves available by putting Jesus as a priority in our lives. All of us will say, I don't have time to do it. All of us have reasons why we can't serve God. All of us have reasons why we can't be involved. We all do. But it's about saying, I will prioritize the mission of God in my life. A few weeks ago, we, had, um, we hosted uh, about 200 people from all around central Florida in our presbytery. It's a great gathering, and um, we had a, a wonderful time. And uh, because the great majority of these people are, are white-haired, Caucasian folks, seeing people of other ethnic, ethnic backgrounds was amazing for them. And then we, we served them Korean food. And um, this week in my mailbox here at church, we're getting um, cards and, and letters of gratitude, appreciation. Um, they really experienced some great hospitality. But there was a great number of people from our Korean congregation who were serving Tuesday morning, uh, 7.30 in the morning until about three in the afternoon. Okay, 7.30 until three. There was 11, I counted 11 of our harvest people who were here, just serving God, serving the church, serving the community. And as I was just observing at the end of the day as people were going, uh, leaving, they were saying, g- giving their thanks and saying their goodbyes. One, el- one elderly pastor from another church, he came to me and he said, Pastor David, I, I had such a wonderful time. Thank you so much. He said, but I have, a, I, have a, I have a question. So I said, sure. And he said, how do you get all of these people to come on a Tuesday and spend all day here at church? Because they look like people who should be working and they look like people who should have jobs. They typically, when we go to these presbytery meetings the people who are serving as volunteers are 60, 70, 80-year-old men and women right, who are retired. They don't have jobs. They're the ones doing registration. They're the ones directing traffic. They're the ones driving the golf cart so people can get from the parking lot to the, to the church building. They're the ones who are providing the meals, passing out the meals. But it wasn't like that at our church. It's like, how do you get people to do that? I, I mean, obviously it wasn't me. It was, I mean, this is just a, the mentality of people in our Korean congregation as well as some here. They said they took time off work. Obviously they all work. We don't have like 40 people who are laid off from jobs. They're just doing nothing. They said, this is, my, this is one opportunity I have to serve the kingdom of God on a broader scale. One opportunity that I have. What is one vacation day? What is one day off that I can take in order to show hospitality, to bless these workers of the kingdom? What is one day for me to take off to do that? It's not about time. It's about priorities. It's about attitudes. It's about saying I want to see the dream of God fulfilled, and I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be sitting on the bench. I want to get involved. I want to make myself available, even if I don't think I am available. And so he did. And the dream was accomplished. And this happens throughout the history of the church. It's not about people who have all the time in the world and saying, yeah, I'm going to. They pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. What would it look like if we lived out Matthew 6.33 where Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well. Would there not be less worry in our hearts? Because as many people read it, we read it saying, But seek first the kingdom of DL and your righteousness and then try to make all these other things work out for yourself and worry about it as you do. But what if we took Jesus' word seriously and began to realize that availability has nothing to do with how much time we have free in our schedule, but about making ourselves available by prioritizing Jesus and having the attitude of putting Jesus first. So many dreams die because the church of Jesus Christ doesn't make ourselves available to the dream of God. But what would happen if it looked differently? If the young mother, instead of realizing that she's handcuffed with her time and has nothing to do to offer to the church, took that time, those late night hours holding nursing babies to think about and to pray and to intercede for the church, its meetings, its people, its leaders, its house church, its ministry, begin to realize that I can be part of the dream of God. It's not about time. It's about an attitude. It's about a priority. It's, it's about, it's about the, the, the man who says, you know what? I'm going to cut off cable TV in my house so I can make time to spend more time with God and make myself available so that the dreams of our church and the dreams of Jesus can be accomplished through me. It's about the person who says, you know what? When I go to school, I I don't have any time. When I come home from school, I don't have any time. I've got to do my homework. My my parents are telling me I've got to eat and do all these things. And the only way to do it is to sacrifice 15 minutes of sleep in the morning. I'm going to make that a priority. The attitude of my heart is going to be I'm going to seek Jesus and not say I don't have time, but I'm going to make myself available. So we had a, a couple people, Josh and Samina Shin, who wanted to take our discipleship class. Harvest 201. But they've got two kids, two toddlers, and another one in the oven. What are we going to do? Does a dream die there? Or do their house church shepherds, who've got a toddler of their own, say, hey, you know what? We'll watch your kids. And for three months, we'll watch your kids so that you can go, and you can get blessed, and you can get fed, that you can encounter God in that way, that your family could be strengthened, so that the dream could continue. There are dreams that God has for our church, and it can't be accomplished by 10 or 15 people. It's got to be all. It's got to be all of us who realize that I am available. I can make myself available. It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of giving myself to the mission of God. These disciples were the first ones that Jesus called. This dream that started with one added for that day. And then they spent three years, three and a half years with Jesus. They caught this vision so well. They caught this vision of a man who every day of his life was spent not for himself, but for the will of the Father in heaven. And even when they would betray him, they could hear agonizing prayers in a garden, crying out to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. They saw their teacher, their master, making himself available to the mission of God even to the point of death on a cross. And it changed them. And it changed their lives. And as we begin to hear stories amidst the rubble, amidst the chaos of Newtown, Connecticut, you hear about these heroes. You hear about about the janitor who once he started hearing gunshots. We don't know if he's still alive, this janitor, or not. But he started running through the hallways, Screaming at people, go, get down, hide, making sure that all the doors of the classrooms were locked. You hear stories of of teachers who would huddle in the bathrooms and pray with their students. And tell them, if you don't believe in prayer, then just think happy thoughts. We're going to get out of this okay. You hear stories of people like Victoria Soto, that young teacher. When she heard the gunshot, she piled her kids into cabinets and in the closets. She realized that she didn't have time. She stood at the door and waited. And when the gunman asked where the kids were, she told them that they were in the gym. And he shot her, and then he went on to the next classroom. As you hear stories like that, I think as you hear stories as the children begin to realize the love of their teacher, as they grow up and hear this story, do you think any of these kids, if given the chance, somehow... To honor the life and the sacrifice of their teacher. How many of them, as they grew older, would not gladly give their lives for this one who sacrificed for them? How many of them would not bend over backwards at the chance to honor the life of this teacher who had so bravely died in their place? And so it was with these disciples they realize that the very night they betrayed Jesus, that next day, he would hang on a cross. Not just dying an innocent criminal's death, but dying in their place and in our place. As soon as they realized that, this dream came alive within their hearts and they went to the ends of the earth. Of these 11, 12 disciples, the 11 after Judas killed himself, 10 of the 11, would end up giving their lives, dying as martyrs so that the dream could be accomplished. This is a dream that is still alive today. It's huge. It's as big as the world. It began with one. It's grown throughout the world. An army of God. He calls us to be a part of it. He says, will you join in this? This glorious and great adventure. Let's pray. Let's uh, take a moment to pray as our praise team comes up and just ask ourselves how can I make myself more available to God? How can I make myself more available to the God who gave himself to death on a cross? to take the sinner's punishment so that I could have the blessings of the sinless Son of God bestowed unto me. It's not only the story of Peter, James, and John, the first disciples. This is our story, and this is our song. Let's pray for maybe 30 seconds to a minute, just saying, God, I want to make myself available to the one who made himself completely available to me, saying, not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray together for a minute and then I'll pray for us as we continue in our service. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, we need you, Lord. Father, we need you, Lord God, and we need your help, Lord God, that you would teach us and that you would mold us and that you would make us into your people. Be available to you, Lord God. Surrender to you, Lord God, for your purposes and for your will. The dream that Jesus breathed into fruition. <laughs> Continues today. And contrary to what our world may believe, Jesus doesn't choose the bold and the beautiful and the rich and the powerful alone. He will use those people to the degree that they make themselves available. But Jesus, you never looked for those things. You never looked for what the world looks for. You look at the heart. And you look for availability. You look for people who are willing to put first the kingdom of God before our own, earthly kingdoms that will fall and crumble like castles in the sand. You look for people who will believe that the dream is still alive, that indeed a weeping prophet can change a nation, that indeed the church of Jesus Christ can change the world, that indeed the glory of God will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. You're looking and longing for a people who believe that that dream is still true and that can still be fulfilled through sinful, broken, surrendered people who don't have much to give but our hearts and our lives and through that you use us to reach, to touch to heal a broken world help us father to make ourselves available in light of the one Jesus Christ who made himself available to us we thank you so much we love you because you've loved us first we pray all these things in Jesus name